0: Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Annie Ranking, and I am the new Family Resource Specialist with StarNet Regions 1 and 3. And today um, I have Mary Beth Cunningham who is um, an LCPC and also an ed, um, has expertise in educational psychology. And she is going to be talking about how we as parents can start um, this remote learning, whatever learning is going to look like for your children and, and how we can be scheduling our homes to feel um, maybe more successful or more confident than we might have in March. And the reason I invited um, Mary Beth um, here is because she owns um, a council Counseling service, CHIYM Counseling, and she works with um, children and parents who um, have exceptionalities along with other um categories of individuals, but she also has children in her home who um, have exceptionalities, and so she um, lives it real life as a parent. So Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Mm. Today we are going to be talking about two main questions. Um, I first wanted to talk to Mary Beth about some roadblocks or some barriers that she foresees for individuals or families who have IEPs, 504s, exceptionalities, um, different types of learning within their home, and then also how she's scheduling. So she is a very organized person with multiple things going on in her life. Um, and so um, I wanted to her just to talk about what might be some best practices as you're thinking about scheduling your
1: home learn, learning environment.
0: So Mary Beth, could you start with barriers and
1: roadblocks? Yeah, um, so barriers and roadblocks are obviously happening. They happen even when there isn't a pandemic and when we're in school. So we do know that with IEPs and 504s, as a child evolves, as a school evolves, things are going to change and there's going to be a roadblock and a speed hump and we're going to have to cross it over and be okay, right? Um, With this, all of the IEPs um, for a traditional learner, even, you know, with exceptionalities, um, they don't always carry over into the virtual setting, right? Because our days with an IEP or with a 504, our services are very tailored to the school day and what can happen during the school day. So one of the things um, that I myself as a parent and even as a professional had to wrap my head around when we we were um, back in May, we were forced to be virtual because of health reasons. So we already knew, right? One of the things I had to wrap my head around is my children's um, plans are not going to be the same at all they can't be the same if i'm going to be doing this from home um, as a home-based learner or as a virtual learner so we are technically virtual learning um, right now um, but there is a home-based learning thing too and it's not going to look the same because the same professionals can't push in and um, the amount of minutes isn't necessarily the same so one of the options that i've been telling parents because of that roadblock is if you're getting things like speech um physical therapy occupational therapy those are services to help your child within the school day um, to be able to be successful at school in the school day Um, and so one of the things that i'm i'm trying to help empower parents to do is to know that you still have a right to those services but it might look different from the school system and that's okay because they they might not be able to push in and so if you have access to um, a primary care physician, I would be in contact with them. So first thing I did for my one of my kids is I contacted his pediatrician and said, if we're not going to be in school, he's not going to be able to have speech therapy at school. And so if I'm going to do speech therapy, I want to make sure that it's done when we can do it and I can schedule with a professional. And so we have um, we, we are on the waiting list, but we are going to be scheduled with our providers Um, speech therapists and then every week I can say you know this is the time that works best for us. So take that into your own hands right now is one of the things that I would say if they are services that are not specific to actual education. Does that make sense? I I think there are pieces of the puzzle for IEPs and 504s that relate greatly to education. So for a student who has dyslexia the reading interventions are going to have to happen more on a school-based setting and you do still have the same rights as a parent but it is going to look much much different than your traditional IEP or 504 because it's virtual. So that said, one of the things I'm also telling people is exercise your right to question what you're eligible for versus what you're getting because if you're eligible for something on a distance platform or a virtual platform mm. then you still are you, you are still um entitled to it. Um I might not be eligible for speech on a distance platform, but I I can go to my physician for that. So know that there is a difference between different types of cushion services for your kids. So that was a barrier that I knew ahead of time was gonna happen, and so I got ahead of it. Um, the other barrier is that you're gonna have to um, really be on top of if you are keeping the same IEP, you're going to have other things to juggle into your school day schedule and so being able to be um in constant contact with school administrators or psychologists or whatever saying well technically he's scheduled from 9 to 3 for school stuff and if you're not able to necessarily get in to pull him out i have to do it which is fine but i need to be able to pull him for his physical therapy Um, or as occupational therapy that their therapist is telling me to do, I need to know when in the day is appropriate to do that. So being able to make sure that your schedule aligns with their physical or emotional needs. Um, You still can do those sensory breaks and things like that at home, but you need to make sure that is it as needed, or is there a specific time to do it? When are you noticing your kid needs it? Because it's going to be different than it was at school, etc. Yeah. And
0: so what I'm hearing is a lot of advocating, is yeah. um, addressing or knowing the barriers and blocks, um, and then also really advocating, reaching out to your, your group of people who help you with your children and really advocating for what's needed.
1: Yeah, and what you do is you get out your IEP or your 504, your child's IEP or 504, and if you don't have it, you just need to email um, your school administrator and say I don't have a copy can you email me a copy it's not official but can I have a copy they'll email it to you and you're gonna go through with all the not the goals necessarily while well, the goals you'll go through too but like the the um, interventions that are on there and say is this really a thing that is possible to do virtually or is necessary to do virtually if not hey okay, cross it highlight the ones that need to be modified X the ones that you know um, that really don't pertain. So one of my one of my kids that has an exceptionality is a neuroatypicality and has a sensory processing disorder. In his school day, he gets sensory breaks. He gets modified seating. He gets, you know, if he needs to, he could go to take a sensory break outside of the classroom. He can have a fidget. I don't need that at home. Quite frankly, I can send him outside to scream and wiggle and yell um, for a 10 minute break and bring him right back and it'll be okay. Whereas a kid who has something that is more stringent than that, we're going to have to figure out, okay, what could be modified? How can we modify it for an at-home learning thing? Yeah.
0: And do the IEPs need to be rewritten? Does there need to be a new meeting if you are going to be um, editing them for um, remote at-home learning?
1: So you can keep your physical IEP for physical school and then request to have some a modified like learning uh, uh, virtual education plan um technically Mm -hmm. you don't have to have a new meeting if there are going to be changes you just have to have an agreement a mutual agreement between all parties on that team and that that might just be the teacher the principal and you or whoever else so you can do that in writing you can do it on zoom as long as there's something in writing saying during virtual these are going to be our services so you don't have to go in and have a whole new meeting um, and you can request what you think is going to be necessary. And quite frankly, there might be an administrator that's going to go, thank you. Thank you, because I have 42 more kids to do and I don't know them all, you know. So, yeah. Right.
0: Excellent. And so, for the last question, and I know we only have two for this short video today, is how are you scheduling your at-home time? So, you have three kids, um, mm-hmm. and at least two of them have exceptionalities, all
1: three of them. A, um two have uh, exceptionalities one and my third one is right at the door real fast so this is one of the real life things we're going to be doing so example number one (laughs) there you go (laughs) So that was my five-year-old. She does not have an exceptionality, but she's got an exceptionally amazing um spirited personality. So that's part of what I'll be factoring in. <laughs> okay. So the question you asked was how am I going to schedule? How does that work with free kids?
0: Um And especially kids who have different learning styles.
1: Yeah, and and my kids do. Um two of my kids, the two that have exceptionalities, are very opposite in almost every capacity, other than that they're adorable and nice. You know, um, one needs loud and big movements. The other needs still and focused. Um, One is very rigid. One has not just the gray area, but the whole rainbow inside of that gray area. And so what I have decided to do personally, and I think it's important if possible, a lot of people do not have this possibility, so I need to stress that, is to have technically a designated learning space. And for me, it's going to be our basement. We have a, you know, we have the things set up. However, I'm not going to restrict them to that learning space. But my rule is going to be, because they're little still, you know, they're young. My rule is going to be if you need something different than what's provided down here, whether it's because of attention or because it's too quiet or too loud, or because a five-year-old likes to, you know, come and chime in. What? Oh, then no, we can't do it. Go ahead and go in. Um, so, her five-year-old
0: accidentally got up at 3 a.m. today and is um, feeling the the morning tiredness. So that's what we are experiencing um, right now, which I'm sure that we as parents can all um, empathize with. We have all had those those young fives who just decide that 3 a.m. is the time to get up, and then they try to function normally for the rest of the day.
1: Okay, so um, with that, Yep, yeah, we'll. I'll be right with you in a little bit. You need to wait for just uh, two more minutes. Go set the timer for two minutes, please. Okay, but I'm on my robot. I hear you, but you need to. I need you to set the timer for two minutes. I can't because Alexa's not turning on. It's seven yeah. o. So I'm just gonna keep going on this, and yep.
0: <laughs> everyone who uh, watches this is a
1: parent and understands. Yeah, <laughs> well, and at least you know I'm not just someone pretending that I'm going through it too, because I right. am going through it too. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. Three in the morning is a fun one. So, okay. So, a designated learning space. Feel free to edit things. I don't care. A designated learning space. They are not. At, they do not. They're not forced to be there. But if things are too loud down there because I'm helping or whatever, then they are able to retreat into a more comfortable learning space. I'm making sure that they have more than one set of headphones each, and I'm going to put them at their desk or in their learning space or somewhere else. We know headphones break, and we're not going to be able to deal with that, specifically with kids with exceptionalities, if they need those headphones, if they need those supplies, multiple each. Um, And I know it gets expensive, but but to be honest with you it's worth the peace of mind it's worth the lack of meltdown um and then to know that because they have different learning styles and they are unique to themselves that again that advocacy piece on scheduling is going to have to happen with the school so if we are required to be there from you know nine thirty to 3 um, i'm going to be reaching out to the teacher. If it's our if it's a three in the morning kind of a day and that were my exceptional childs hey they were up at three in the morning they need to be able to rest they're not learning anything right now I'm giving them a break but I'm setting that space and I'm setting up a schedule that they can follow um, one of my kids will have a visual schedule even though he's an avid reader he needs to know what comes next I'm the same way um, another one will have his own planner because he feels good checking off the checklist every day I'm going to have Um, a different list for them prepared um, based off of what their instructors are telling me that needs to be done. And um, I will have a one of those pretend clocks that you can set the time on that doesn't really do anything other than teach telling time. I'll have that on our counter for my kid who's very rigid so he knows what time he has to go into until for specific tasks. So um, the other thing is if you do have flexibility that's not online instruction, I'm going to allow them to order their own day. So meaning they still have to get math, science, reading, et cetera, done. But one of my kids needs to have some level of control because in this world, they don't have control right now. Um, And so science might come first, math might come second, lunch might come third. And that might be helpful as well. So I don't know if I I also have like multiple planners because I have to.
0: (laughs) Right. Right, definitely. And you have the benefit of working at night, so you're going to be home during the day. Um, And I know that not all families have that that benefit, um, but with the visual schedules, with either a clock that does um, tell time or with um, what many um, professional development providers and teachers use as a time timer. So the one that you set it and you can watch the red or the yellow go away or get bigger. um, And that's another way that that you can do that. Um, So Mary Beth, I thank you so much for having this real life conversation with me today. Do you have any last thoughts for parents who are diving into, Really, this uncharted territory.
1: Um, I just have one more. Well, first, just be gracious with yourself. It's it's a year of their life, and I know for exceptional kids, that's a really long year of their life, and it's and it can mean a big deal, like a big difference between things. But there are things you are not going to get right. Don't expect to get them right. If you didn't go to school for this, if this isn't your, uh, you, even if you did, it's your kid. It's different teaching your kid. Be nice to yourself. Um, if you have other people helping you throughout the day so my husband's with my kids on Mondays when I'm at work do a family calendar that's digital that sets a reminder that sets an alarm for that person's phone so they know it's time to get on to this or it's time to do that um, and try to set the appointments for your kids for the times where it's going to be you and not someone else because you don't want them missing their appointment so yeah that's what I've got and I do appreciate the graciousness that you gave me uh, with my daughter. yes we all
0: understand so thank you so much for joining me today
1: thank you